podcast where we turn those iMessage rants into actual conversation. I'm your host, as always, Conan Sarkar. Joining me is Moira Gangapadhyay. And although he's not here right now, Neil will hopefully be joining us. If not, he's about to get a five-star when I go to New York and visit him. <laughs> now, over this, like when we started this podcast in our first episode, we talked about what fans we were. So I said I was a Pistons fan, a diehard Pistons fan. Moynak and Neil said they were Pistons fans, but they were Pistons in name only. There, there, was, there was some blasphemous talk on this podcast where we talked about, all right, if the Pistons played the Lakers, who would they want to root for? And there, there was some talk about the Lakers there. So in order to balance things out, I brought on a true, true Detroit fan, my buddy Robert Milbrand, also known as Milb, who is an actual Detroit supporter, goes to the actual games, and is a true, true Detroit fan. Welcome, Robbie. Thank you, Carno. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. So yeah, we 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 have um, we have a real Detroit fan. Moynak, how do you feel about this? You know, you can actually take some lessons and learn from. Hey man, it's Detroit great. Like I was talking to Robbie before the podcast. He seems like he's gonna be really insightful for this podcast. So love to see it. <laughs> you guys can gang up on me. I'm all I'm all for it. Glad to have you on, Robbie. Thank Last man. week we tried to balance it out with uh, having um, Rams on. So Rams was a Laker hater and Warriors fan. Now we got Robbie. So you know we're putting some balance into the force here. You guys act like I'm a Pacers. Fan. You guys act like I'm a Pacers and Bulls fan. Like, come on, it's it's not that. It's not that drastic. <laughs> no, no. no I'll, I'll give you this. Like more like in from his youth. So some part of him deep down inside is still a Pistons fan. We just got to find it and bring it's it the back. Biggest, I'm the biggest Rip Hamilton fan, man. Come on. Rip City, the OG, baby. The OG mask. The yeah. real mask, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a, a lot of stuff has happened um, in basketball this past week. Uh, what have you guys been watching, first of all? Uh, any cool games you guys have seen? So I, uh, so, I went to the game on Tuesday. Got to go to the Lakers-Nets game. Uh, first time seeing LeBron in person. Uh, Anthony Davis came back for that game after his uh, MCL injury um really was a spectacle I'm not gonna lie like I I went with a good high school buddy of mine and we thoroughly enjoyed watching that game live uh the the Nets were shorthanded as they have been at home given Kyrie and and KD's now four to six week injury um Joe Harris been gone so it was really hard in trying to shoulder the burden um uh for for the Nets but it was a real like you know ease their way back for the Lakers. Like it was a good moment to see the, the bit, the, the quote unquote big three come back and play a good game. It was, it was, you know, a lot of high flying action. Um, LeBron had a moment in the fourth quarter where he got back to back steals uh, in, in the, in the, in the like, you know, late fourth quarter to seal the game. And he, he put down some pretty crazy dunks. So watching that live was, Oh man, dude, we were going crazy. It was a, it was a pretty cool experience. Let me ask you this. What was it like to be in the presence of greatness? And when I say greatness, I mean, coach Steve Nash. Dude, get out of here, man. When, uh, I mean, I obviously have the utmost respect for Steve, but like when I saw, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the, the chalk toss, like, you know, in person for, for LeBron, it was, it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool. You know, he stole that chalk toss from Kevin, Kevin Garnett. I'm just going to put that out there. I mean, it's MJ though. He took, he took it from MJ. Yeah, fine. But whatever. So he 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 is following in the past the ghost. So fuck him. No, yeah, what about for, you? For me, the the Charlotte and the Lakers game. Um, very impressed by Russell. Um, Russell Westbrook obviously coming back. You know, getting a lot of 
shit from people from kind of being that tr- trash trade. And, you know, like, honestly, like I was very impressed that he, I think he put up like 38 and he, he yeah. played a decent game and almost hit that game winner at the end. And he's not known for his three point shooting. So I'm very impressed by that. And I mean, that could bode well for the Lakers. I don't think they're going to do anything in the playoffs, but it's exciting to see him kind of try and carry the team against a, a Hornets team. That's actually like could potentially win a couple series in my opinion. Yeah, for you, for you Spartans fans, like Miles Bridges again, he did that windmill dunk, I think, in the third quarter or something, just out of nowhere. It's so impressive. And that, see that, uh, uh, the alley oop. We got, we got to yeah, mention that. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, Miles, if Miles could have thrown that down, that would have been like an iconic dunk that you'd be talking about like 10 years from now. But with that LaMelo pass, that was incredible. But oh my God. Miles, yeah. Miles couldn't, uh, couldn't deliver. But I mean, they're, they're an exciting duo to watch for sure. Yeah, they really are. That team just needs some defense if they get, and I actually have a couple of trades we can talk about later that can help them, but like if they just get some defense. Cause I think they're like, if not the worst or one of the worst defensive teams, that team's scary. Um, like their offense is so good and so young. And, and they, I mean, they don't really have one straight focal point. It, it, it's, it's quite something. Dude, uh, you have, like, you have four potential 20 point guys on that, on that squad. Cause it's either Lamello, it's Rozier, it's, it's Bridges, it's Hayward. Yep. And I mean, there, there, there's a guy they drafted this year, James Booknight, who's a certified bucket. He just like, they don't ha- need to have him. They just have him on the bench. Like that can deliver buckets whenever he wants. That guy's a big yeah. dunker too. Yeah. I'm not a, not a big Gordon Hayward fan anymore. I feel like he's kind of like a shell of what he used to be, but people don't talk about Terry Rozier, like scary Terry. Can, scary Terry. He, he is fun to watch. I don't know if he's that's killed. a long-term play with LaMelo. Like that might be a, a trade piece and maybe that where Carno kind of comes in, but I'm, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very impressed with that roster. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 uh, it's impressive to see what Charlotte and Hey, MJ, MJ has finally figured out something <laughs> to do right. right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, a couple of games that I watched over the, over the week. Um, so obviously Pistons, um, I watched the Pistons Nuggets games. They had two of them and they lost and all the media was like talking about Jokic hitting a triple double. Then Jokic had another like 26 point, 21 rebound, nine assist game. But let's give, uh, tra- uh, sorry, Cade Cunningham some flowers right now. Cade Cunningham, one of two players to have a 34, four, or eight, eight and four game. So 34 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and four blocks in one game as a rookie. The only other player to do that is Michael Jordan. So, you know, everyone's been talking about Cade being a bust and, you know, Cade may not being, like, may not being one, number one and every, like the Evan Mobley vibe, which, hey, I'm part of, I love Evan Mobley, but Cade Cunningham's about to be a star and just watch it happen. Um, so, so to your point there, um, I agree. And, and Robbie brought, brought this point up that there's a lot of longevity in Cade's career, just given his style of play. And we were drawing comparisons to Luca to a certain extent, just given how he uses his size and the pace that he, uh, that he brings to the game. It, you know, he lets the game come to him versus kind of, being more frenetic um, around the court. Um, I just need to see like him string a good four game, five game stretch. And like, I, I just haven't seen that, which, which makes my buy into him a little bit, you know, less, uh, less interesting. Um, but if he, if he can just give me like 25 and five, four games, like in, in, in just a given week, like I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. I would love to be on the bandwagon. So since his, uh, since December, he's actually been having like, I think 17, four, four or something like that. Like he's been like putting points up since December. I, I know like it's taken a couple months cause he had injury and all that, but like, let's see, like, or we have like podcasts every week from December till maybe 
until the all-star break. If you can keep those numbers up, hey, there's your consistency. Yeah, so to Carno, to your earlier point, I think Mobley right now is having the most impressive rookie year overall. Uh, but I think if Cade can continue on this trajectory, I think he could potentially win rookie of the year. I'm, I think Mobley right now is by far like the most exciting player to watch. Um, and then to your other point, um, you know, I think if, you know, Cade getting on the bad wagon, I think, you know, you have all these like, and the Pistons don't have a lot of surrounding players. So they're able to, you know, double and, you know, keep Cade from really becoming like anything crazy. So, you know, in a couple of years, you add some players around him and then he's going to have more open space, ability to dish out, play make. And I think that's where you're really going to see an opportunity for Kate to really shine and maybe make an all-star game in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I know, I mean, the, 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 I don't want to go too much on Kate because I know it's still a work in progress, but the players that have been guarding him in the last couple of games were Giannis, um, Jokic, Shinnikson at some point. Uh, he had to go against Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant was like, these are the players that Cade gets the best player on an opposing team. So if he can put these cats up with the best player guarding him, um, it's it's going to be something uh, when he's like, you know, actually mature. Like he's not even in his prime yet. He's 20 years old. When he gets to 25, 26, oh my God, watch out. Um, I'll just highlight a couple other games I saw um, before we, uh, you know, get into the, the crux of our conversation. Um, the Suns beat the Jazz twice this week um i think uh you know they're a machine they're They're a a very quiet machine like the death star is being built there and no one's realizing how it's everyone can talk about the warriors but the suns that team is like way way better than anyone else in this league and it's not even close i think their depth Um, is insane yeah and they got bismarck biombo now who like was a good player what in 2007 2008 (laughs) and now he's like he's good again what the hell um so yeah, just I gotta give Chris Paul all his flowers there. Like Chris Paul, Chris Paul is really doing something. And uh, I'll give a, a last shout out to Luke Kennard and the LA Clippers for <laughs> quite, quite a comeback against the Wizards. Thirty-five you know? points, man! <laughs> oh my God, Luke Kennard, ex-Piston, you know, really like, putting a four-point play, seven like seven points in nine minutes or nine points in seven seconds or something like that. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Um, so, dude can uh, shoot. Dude gets hot. Dude gets. Yeah. Dude's like uh, Vinny Johnson. He's the microwave. He can heat up, and if he <laughs> hits him in a row, but like when he's cold, man, he's cold. So yeah. that's just and, my. Good for him though. I'm happy in for Michigan, him, he was always. Cold I don't want him on the Pistons, so I'm glad he's not on the Pistons. Really? We could use him right now. We need a shooter right now. Yeah, we could I mean, really use yeah. a shooter. Yeah, we also need defense, and that he's yeah. not going to provide that. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so, just another another game. Another game out there. Yeah. It's cool to see Clay Thompson back hitting five five three-pointers um same with curry I, I don't think that happened since like 2019 mm-hmm. so cool to see cool to see the splash brothers back in uh, full swing there it's hard a- not to root for clay being out for two years just like it genuinely seems like a nice dude like i i i, I know people had their like either you love them or they hate them the warriors i'm kind of in the middle on them i mean I, it's just good to see clay back i think it's good for the nba and good for the warriors so what's crazy about the warriors is that like yes the warriors are a team that everyone loves to hate uh, especially when KD went there. But if you look at like the big three of the Warriors, so Draymond, uh, Clay, and Steph. Draymond, yes, is pretty polarizing. We as Spartans love him, but you know some people do not. Moynock. Um, <laughs> there's the Curry Gale. Uh, Robbie's put, putting up his Spartan uh, hoodie. Um, and, but if you look at the other two, Steph and Clay, it's really hard not like Steph is probably one of the most likable superstars in the league. Uh, I know there's some that don't like him just for, you know, because he's shooting threes and kind of ruining the, the tradition of the game, but he's just a nice guy. And then Clay just loves basketball. Like, I mean, he teared up 
just going through warm-ups like the guy loves the game and it's really hard not to like him so the sum of the parts don't really necessarily equal hate uh but it's crazy yeah i just love um, i love go ahead sorry no go ahead robbie yeah i just love you know obviously you know kd joining them was like you know kind of a, a hack of the nba salary cap and a fluke because of stuff's like very um team-friendly contract back and i think it was like 2016 17 uh, but like everything else was homegrown, like every other player they had, they acquired a Ego Dollar for like a first round pick, everything else, like all homegrown Harrison Barnes, Ego uh, Dollar. I mean, it's, I mean, sorry, um, Curry Thompson. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the way you want to build the team. You don't want to, I hate the whole sign a bunch of like really high free agents or force away trade out. Like they did it, they did it the right way. And now all of a sudden they have a whole youth movement now with, uh, with Wiseman, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting for them. I'm not a Warriors fan, but it, they, they built something pretty, pretty impressive. It's, it's a, it's a high upside, high downside scenario. Um, and the, the Hawks are like the perfect case study for the downside of it. When you have all this homegrown talent and they all begin to kind of bud together and, and develop their talent and everyone needs touches and minutes. Um, it's pretty mm-hmm. impressive that the Warriors have been able to do it and gel and, and re-sign those players and, and get the free agents needed to supplement the core. But now you see that with the Hawks where like all these young players, uh, you know, they, they have one good season. Maybe they come back the next season with not the same level of motivation, a little bit of probably a little bit of uh, friction amongst who needs to get the ball more. Uh, and now they're probably one of the worst teams of the East. So high upside, high to high downside for uh, that sort of homegrown talent. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, what can happen with, with the Grizzlies because they're in that same situation right now. Don't be too hard on the Hawks right now because yes, they were they were pretty shitty in the beginning. But then after trading Cam Reddish, I think they've won like five straight. Um, so oh, really, yeah, they're coming back. They're now I think in the tenth spot. It's like they're back in the playing position. There might be the eighth spot um, in the um, in the East. So they're coming back. Um, watch out for them. Um, I still think I agree with you. I think that you know the the egos of the Hawks is still going to be their downfall. But um, I think they may have gotten rid of their biggest issue at 10 spot thank you robbie um yeah so watch out for them um but that's good that's a good uh segue into what we're going to talk about so a uh, couple of things that are happening in the league uh so atlanta's getting hot uh they've won five straight there are a couple other hot teams going happening right now uh so miami scorching uh, hot right now scorching hot you know when like why don't you talk a little bit about miami because that's also a team that you like over the pistons <laughs> Hey man, like it's cool to see. Hey, so that's another team that I was talking about that has like multiple 20 point scorers, just depending on the given night. Um, and it's like, it's, it's a deep team. Like that guy, Vincent, he, he can, he can like light it up sometimes. If Duncan Robinson's hitting like four or five threes a game, they're, they're really makes him really hard to beat. Adebayo doesn't even need to score anymore. Cause like he's been injured for a lot. He's of back. Well, they're, yeah. they're finally getting healthy. Um, like Jimmy Butler, I think had like 26 points last night. So like it, 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 the, their stars don't need to shoulder the burden. And that's kind of the beauty of the, the, the heat culture that's been developed over the past few, um, few months. And I think uh, they've gotten some quality wins and like Tyler hero is in a position where he's probably the outright sixth man of the year at this point. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of good things going on there. Okay. Kevin love, not going to give him any love for six man. No, I do. I do like, I, I do like Kevin Love. And, and I was actually going to bring this up in our weekly update, but I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Cavs like sure handedly beat the, beat the Bucks. Yeah. Um, on Wednesday night, I think. Uh, and that's impressive. Yeah. 
Yeah, go, going back to your uh, your heat comment, I feel like the the underrated signing of the last offseason was PJ Tucker choosing to go to the Miami. I think his defense and veteran presence is is huge, and I don't think anyone really talked about it as much as they should. And I think that's gonna when it comes to the playoffs and you're in the conference finals or NBA finals, like a guy who can help shut down a like a superstar for at least half the game um, is, is, is invaluable in my opinion. That's where you can kind of expose teams. I know Miami kind of got exposed like last year, they didn't really have like a defensive presence and also in the NBA finals a couple of years ago as well. Yeah, it's true. True three and D minutes. And then how do you guys feel about the Lowry signing and how he's done this year? Cause that's someone that we've been hard on in the past for sure. I'm not a big Kyle Lowry fan personally. I just, and at his age, I, like, I, I think he's a good player. I just, I'm not sure how that's going to fit long-term. And I think you're, they're going to need, there's going to be some cap gymnastics in the next couple of years with, with that contract they gave him out. But I mean, I, I mean, Pat Riley seems to be able to get Goran, you know, you trade Goran Dragic, who's not really doing much at the end, tail end of his career. And, you know, you flip him for Kyle Lowry, that's an improvement. You only give up, I think, a second round pick you know, props to them for continuing to somehow re- reloading their talent with ever like not being bad. So say this about Kyle Lowry. So Kyle Lowry, I mean, last week hasn't really played much, but during the time when Jimmy Butler was out for, I think like 29 games, uh, Tyler here was in and out. Duncan Robinson was not playing well. I think his like field goal percentage, like 35%. Kyle Lowry was holding all these 10 day contract players together and keeping the heat in some in some sort of form where they can, you know, stay competitive for the first place. And now they're in first place because they're getting all their players back. Like, so I think the impact of Kyle Lowry is a little underrated just because yes, he may not putting up the flashiest stats, but the, the, the kind of Chris Paul effect of keep of being a leader, keeping this group of 10 day contracts together and allowing them to, you know, sneak up on first place. Now they're in the perfect position to kind of hold first place until the end of the year and have home corner advantage for, throughout the playoffs. And I think Kyle Lowry is uh, to credit for that. Um, he, his leadership is, is, is invaluable. Uh, and then going back to that PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker is another person who leadership is invaluable. Uh, I mean, it's weird to say that success is following PJ Tucker wherever he goes. Cause last year he was on Milwaukee and shut down KD or shut down the KD as much as he could. And they won the championship this year. He's in Miami and shutting down uh, he's the defensive uh, anchor and look what they're going doing right now. So that Miami Heat team, you know, it's quite, uh, I remember, I mean, we, uh, Milben, I have a friend named G Bao, Garrett Bauer, who once called me, like the first time he met me, he's like, you seem like the kind of guy that would be a Miami Heat fan. And, you know, that irked me the wrong way, but you know, <laughs> I'm a Miami Heat, Heat fan. I, I like it. I like that. <laughs> Dude. So last night, so sorry, just quick point here. Last point. Um, 11 points last night from Nick Stauskas. He's on a contract with Miami right now. So they really have all the white boy shooters right now. <laughs> two of them from michigan (laughs) wow wow i didn't know he was still in the league honestly i know i neither did i (laughs) um yeah uh there are a couple other teams that are pretty hot so uh philly and cleveland uh philly or sorry cleveland i did not think i thought they'd be a playing team like evan mobley's good but they're i think in second place in the east and they might hold second because they have one of the easiest strengths of schedule till the end of the year if you can you imagine the number one and number two seeds being Miami and Cleveland, the two teams that LeBron fucked, and they're gonna be trying to make conference. a point here. No, I'm just saying, like, the rebuild I'm giving a credit to Colby Altman and uh Pat Riley to rebuilding this team from the ashes of LeBron, like going through pretty much hell, especially Cleveland after LeBron left them, like having Colin Sexton and Darius Garland play on this god awful team that didn't have anything. Uh, Kevin Love wanted to come out. 
And then now you have, you built Evan Mobley, you've got Jared Allen and like somehow these, and Ricky Rubio. And these players all love to play with each other. Uh, Kevin Love is rejuvenated and like has a legitimate six, uh, six man, um, you know, an argument for that. Like, it's crazy to think like, like the work that was put into this and how they've succeeded. And uh, I got to give like both those teams, like all, like all the credit there. Carno, you own your condo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it like tough LeBron living there and like in your head rent free? Cause I feel like you bring him up literally whenever you can. <laughs> um, so but no agreed with you like I, I think Cleveland did, I did not expect them to be that good like incredible incredible like rebuild reboot whatever you want to call it so no definitely I agreed with everything you said but LeBron doesn't need to be brought up here just got served man <laughs> you want the pot to help me out man we'll do some Lakers roast here in a little bit oh, <laughs> I got roasted oh man if only Neil was here to hear that um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, um, another team I'll just mention is uh, Phoenix, who, I mean, we talked about earlier is the, the, the Death Star being built. That team is far beyond like the best team in the NBA. And I'm not even going to in deep uh, in depth on them because we, we'll, we'll talk again next week and the week after and the week after that about how good Phoenix is. Uh, but it's just incredible to see Fe- the Chris Paul effect there. Um, all right. So quickly, we'll get to, um, like some struggling teams, um, before we get into our trade discussions, uh, but, um, Milwaukee struggling injuries, Utah struggling. Cause I mean, we expected this Utah is going to struggle. Um, and then one team I did want to highlight is Brooklyn and we're going to talk about them in the trade, uh, uh, trade deadline part, portion too, but, um, James Harden now wants out of Brooklyn. So the Brooklyn experiment has failed, unfortunately. And I don't blame Steve Nash for this. I don't blame, I blame the GM partly, but I, I truly blame this on Kyrie. And I, I think it's the, the, the fact that Kyrie, um, you know, does not have the chemistry. Like they're only played like, what, like 15 or 10 games together. If that's, if that, um, yeah. And I really like, I think James Harden came in thinking that, Hey, I'd be part of this trio of Kyrie, Katie and me. And we just dominate the league. And when they play, they dominated. But uh, I think Kyrie has really let his team down here. And I, I, I'm only there to blame Kyrie for this, uh, the James Harden wanting out. Bro- it's, Brooklyn it's, looks Brooklyn looks bad. Like yeah. wh- when I when I saw them, uh, you know, during during the game, they're announcing the starters. I didn't know three of their five starters. Like that's how are. like depleted they are, huh? Was it David Duke Jr., uh, Cam Thomas, Dejounte Sharp? No, D- Sharp, Sharp. I think so. But like, dude, it, it's like their roster is just so depleted when you have like the core of Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and uh, and Kyrie not playing. It's like. Who, what is James Harden supposed to do? And he still put up a triple double. So I think we were pretty harsh on Harden earlier on the season because he's like playing himself into shape, comes in a little overweight. You know, you don't know what his commitment's like, but he's still putting up numbers and you can't really blame the guy at this point. But it's like Brooklyn's in a mess right now. But Robbie, what were you going to say? No, I, I think it's just kind of similar to the Lakers in the sense that you have three guys that have been in the league for like 10 plus years, eating up literally your entire salary cap and you don't have any depth. Like you look at, I mean, it's pretty much the three of them plus Joe Harris and the rest of their team is like not, I mean, they're, they're not going to contribute come playoff time. And if like that James Harden trade, they're going to come to regret because they had a lot of really good players like Harris LeVert, Jared Allen, and granted they wouldn't need to get paid anyway. But I mean, if you would keep those, keep your two starters as a Kyrie and Katie say, obviously Kyrie's whole vaccination status and everything aside, like, that's a really good team. Like, if they would have kept that together. They did not need James Harden. They mortgaged their future. And I guarantee you, in, like, three or four years, Houston is going to be reaping massive benefits from that trade. 
Well, if as long as they draft right, I mean, I, I've been harsh on Jalen Green. I'll continue to be harsh on Jalen Green for just being a like a defensive liability and offensive uh, virus. Uh, Alfred Sangoon is going to be good, but they just need to, you know, build, put some defensive players around there and they, they should be good. Uh, but get Jalen Green out too. put him out of his league. That guy sucks. And he hates Detroit to so screw him. Um, so talking about, you know, ways to help teams out. So, I mean, we, we know that James Harden wants out. There are a couple other players that also want out. Let's talk about uh, the trades. So trade deadlines coming up February 10th. Um, there are few tr- like big names out there uh, ben simmons ben simmons ben simmons has been out there for so <laughs> long but uh robbie i know you are and i've talked to you on, on uh, a few occasions about trades and it's amazing to know how how well robbie knows salary cap from robbie where do you where's your source of all this information uh, i've been playing 2k religiously for the last like 10 years so Not i pretty hear. much know the, the salary status of every team and I, I, it's it's honestly more of like a hobby at this point and it's kind of like i don't know it, i know too much about it i don't know why so it's so incredible to see this so i, I Robbie, i want you to kick it off and tell me about um you know give me a couple trades that you think should happen that would help out and are also salary cap viable that would help out um some of the big names here yeah so i think this is kind of something you probably haven't seen but in my opinion it makes sense so this is a three-team trade portland atlanta okc um, Portland is, a, in my opinion, needs to reboot. So this is the trade and I'll go into more depth, but Portland gets John Collins and Kenrick Williams from OKC. Atlanta gets CJ McCollum, Robert Covington. Um, and then OKC gets, uh, Daniel Gallinari and some picks. Uh, so basically from a Blazers perspective, uh, you know, let me talk, um, uh, yeah, uh, Atlanta. So I'll talk Atlanta cause they're actually going to try and compete. Atlanta gets a wing. In, in Covington, three and D, um, a little bit older, but and you obviously the, the big piece there, you add CJ McCollum, you get a shooter. It's not working in Portland for them. Um, and, you know, with Trey Young's extension coming up, they, you know, they're, they're pretty much strapped for cash in the next couple of years. So, I mean, in, in my opinion, it, it makes sense to go win now. Um, and then Blazers can reset. They essentially in this trade would dump $18 million in salary cap. Um, so like they're under the luxury tax, and then they add Kendrick Williams, who's a good bench contributor, if they're going to try and um, compete next year. And then OKC, uh, you know, OKC is going to be the, I don't know if people are really talking about this as much, but OKC is the key to this trade deadline. It's, you know, you're talking about the Ben Simmons trade. They have, they need to spend 23 million to get to the luxury, the salary floor line, the 90% of the salary to, yep. the cap. And so like they, this, this trade, they'd add $18 million to that. And they'd acquire some picks. Now, I don't know if you can make the argument that the Blazers should send like a pick or the Hawks should send a pick if they're going to get McCollum. Um, but like, obviously, that's a minute detail if you're competing. Um, so, I, yeah, that's that's the that's the big trade that I would I would make. So with that trade, so now the, the core the core of Portland is now John Collins, uh, Anthony Simons uh, and Damian Lillard. Yeah. I don't so john collins is actually great for that because john collins can actually pick and roll uh something that they don't have right now um and he can also pick up and pop if he needed because he can shoot what do you do with Yurkic though that was my question right there yeah. he's a free so he's so he's he's a free agent so like him and uh, simons is are free agents as well as covington you're not gonna be able to keep the three of them i mean you can dish them out like sign and trade i mean it, it really it really depends what they want to do right like 
are they going to continue with this Dame Lillard? Like, as going to, I mean, like, I feel bad for him. He's never going to request a trade. He's such a, like, a, like a diehard Portland guy. But, like, I don't know. Do you reset? It, it really depends. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure. I don't know what they're directionally, what they're trying to do. It's, it's kind of like the a better version of the Pistons, like five, like from like five years ago, where they're like maybe making the playoffs here and there. Um, but they have a superstar, of course. So I'm, that, that they have that benefit. We have Detroit. We have Detroit muscle. We have the def- defense of Detroit. Anyway, uh, no, we, we were trash. Um, okay, so then OKC gets Danilo Gallinari, which actually, and they get a bunch of, so they're just like building up more draft capital or pick capital to use in trades. <laughs> the thing that concerns me is like, all right, OKC, at some point they got to make a trade. Like they, they don't have anything. Yeah, they, they've just been like the wasteland of like trades and picks for like the last five years or so since the since the Russell Westbrook trade. Um I feel like they've just got kind of the short end of the stick, but uh, who is it? It's Sam Presti. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the goat. Yeah. I, I don't just, know anymore. I re- like, I thought Sam Presti was a goat and then I look at him like, all right. So he's like, yes, he has tons of draft capital and tons of pick, but like, at some point, like in order to appease your fan base, like, which I don't know what OKC's fan base is like, but when they had the big three, they were pretty, uh, pretty wild. But at some point you got to like, do something you can't just have 10 years of picks or five years of picks and then do I, nothing I first, about it so, so that the gallinari is partially guaranteed for next year so like okay. they add salary for next year add more picks and i think either sometime middle of next year or the, next, the following off season is when they'll probably either try and sign someone or use a bunch of those picks and acquire someone um, okay. i don't know who that'll be but i think it'll be it could be a combination of both of those where they all of a sudden reload and they're competing yeah i I really hope because like SGA's prime is coming up and it might, you know, I don't want him to, to waste like a talent that could be a generational talent on SGA. Um, Shea Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander, um, you know, with all these picks, but yeah, I like, I like that one. I like that one. Moynock, I'm going to hand it over to you and ask you about uh, a couple of trades. I know you have to leave a little early, so why don't you uh, run us through some of the trades that you're thinking of? And then uh, me and Robbie will continue our debates on trades. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you guys have seen that um, that scene in the dark night where the Joker has the stack of money with oh, uh, yeah. I think the mob and then he burns half of it. Yeah. He sets it on fire. That's what Ben Simmons is essentially doing right now with his, with his year, just sitting out and like basically just lighting that cash on fire. Um, what do I'd you guys rather have the Joker on my team than Ben Simmons though? <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. What do you guys think are the plausible trades for him? Because I think there could be a deal where you swap Kyrie for Ben Simmons. Uh, and I don't know how, I don't know exactly how it would work salary cap wise, but do you think that's beneficial to getting Simmons in a role where he doesn't have to shoulder any of the offensive burden and basically just needs to get any, basically just defer to KD and play defense for Brooklyn? So a couple things there. First, Kyrie would never go there because Kyrie is so sensitive with his fan bases. So he'd be to the trade of Philly in a heartbeat because uh, he can't handle that. Like, but he's he can not, win. He can win. He's that. not mentally tough enough. to. Like, Philly would berate him. He's not mentally tough enough to handle Philly. Philly is a, like a good sports town. I don't think Kyrie could do it. Ignoring that, though, ignoring that, I don't know how tolerant KD would be to Ben Simmons holding the ball and then, but not like he's Ben Simmons is basically a Trey Young that can't shoot. Like Ben Simmons expects to hold, 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 uh, pass to you for like a last minute shot. But I'm not here to facilitate for you necessarily. I'm here to just you catch and shoot. I don't know if KD's like KD did it with like Steph and Clay, 
but also because KD, like they could transition roles very well and it worked there. It would not work. Like, I think KD like would eat Ben Simmons' head off at the end of it because Ben Simmons, like A, not a hard worker. I don't think Ben Simmons is a hard worker or else he would have been back by now. B, does not, is not willing to change his role. And K- KD needs that adaptability. C, um, the, the James Harden of it, like James Harden would be out so much, so much faster. And it, you know, you're trying to salvage this, like James Harden would be gone because Ben Simmons is a, eating up his, like his ball handling, taking his like point guard, point guard role from him. And then like not really adding any value on the offense to say, all right, I want, I enjoy playing offense with this guy. So I don't know. I, I, I don't like Ben Simmons to, yeah, I don't like Ben Simmons. If it was a James Harden for Ben Simmons, I mean, that may have been better because I mean, you're still, you still have the Kyrie problem, but like, you don't have to deal with it, uh, but you don't have to, like you're getting something in for Ben, uh, for James Harden. But uh, I, I think that's like, that's not happening. Um, they're not, they're not going to have that. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think are the best deals out there then for, for Simmons? I, honestly, I don't think there is one. Um, I think that the deal you laid out Kyrie for, for Ben, it makes sense in like a basketball sense from my perspective. Like, I think, you know, Kyrie gets to play hundred percent of the games. Ben gets out of Philly. Like I think Ben Simmons is a talented player that just, if he could shoot, like he's, he would be incredible. Uh, but I think the problem was with a Ben Simmons trade is Daryl Morey, who I think is a great GM thinks way too highly of the value that Ben Simmons brings. You have no leverage. He's not playing for your team. He has a very high contract. He's a liability for shooting like especially from the free throw line in a playoff game, like why are you valuing him at like three first round picks and an impact player? Like it, it doesn't make sense. So like from my perspective, I think he's, he has value, but it's like the, there's just such a disconnect into what like they want and what he's actually worth. But I liked your trade. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's tough. Yeah. That's a tough position to be in for, uh, for, for Ben Simmons's career. And then, for what Philly can do because they're just sitting on nothing with him, but Embiid is carrying. So it's all, it's all fine and dandy for now. But his knees, can they like, I mean, like at some point, like you're, you're always worried about his health. Like he's always out for like a decent amount of a season, which whether it's like rest or if it's like an actual injury. So you, I just worry about that. Like I, if he's like healthy all the time, Embiid's a generational talent who can, who can, I think can take you all the way there. I've been a hater of Embiid just because of uh, the Detroit uh, MB rivalry with him and Andre, which ironically they're not teammates. Uh, but that guy is. A, I root for Embiid every time. Yeah, I mean it, it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm a diehard Pistons fan. So like when Andre's are Pistons, even though I hated Andre Drummond, like you gotta root for the guy because he's your star player. It, 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 nope. it was it was a tough position to be in. Nope. But I'll say this about nope. Embiid: like he is like I, I, like when we talk about All Stars, I don't think Kevin Durant should have been the All Star captain. I think it should have been either Embiid or Giannis, probably Embiid. Uh, he's like disrespected a lot in this league uh, by me uh, and by many, uh, but Embiid is a top three player, if not a top two player in the Eastern conference. And um, no, I mean, that guy could carry the whole team. I mean, he, he's the one saying like, I don't want Ben Simmons created. I don't care. I can, I can take this team. I'll do it. And he's putting it, he's backing it up. Like when they're playing, he's putting like 50 points up 20 rebounds or whatnot. And he's, like the guy said, he's like, he's basically every bit of Michael Jordan, Kobe, uh, Dr. J and whatever in one player. And he kind of is not as good as them, but he has all the moves. He has a duffel bag. So um, he yeah, does have a duffel bag. Yeah, got to give it to him. 
Yeah. Um, more like any other trades that uh, you wanted to highlight? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Indy is interesting. Um, do you do anything with Miles Turner or Sabonis? Uh, Jeremy Grant, I guess you guys can touch on this during the Pistons segment, but like, what do you do with Jeremy Grant? Um, I think those are kind of the the key pieces out there um, where there, you know, you could really get a contender to, to, you know, improve their roster and be in a better position to win the championship. Um, curious to hear your thoughts about that. So it's funny you mentioned the Miles Turner one. So Indy is a, is a weird situation where you have either Miles Turner or Demonta Sabonis that has to go because they can't work together and you got to pick one. So I like Miles Turner staying, but he has more trade value in my opinion because he he's a big man that can, like he's a post presence. And so this is the trade I actually came up with. Golden State gets Miles Turner in exchange for James Wiseman, uh, Nemanda Bialica, and Moses Moody. Plus, I haven't thought about the picks yet, and I'm sure, um, Robbie, you can probably fill in, like, maybe some what, what picks would make sense. But Golden State gets their – I mean, even though Draymond's going to be the anchor, but they get a post presence. Uh, Draymond's not really a good pick-and-roll player because he's not tall enough. Miles Turner is a pick-and-roll player, and Miles Turner actually has some perimeter um, shooting. Um, so they get that. They get something that can fit in the system of Golden State. And then uh, they trade away kind of their, their future for that, which because they're in win-now mode anyway. And James Wiseman could be pretty good. Uh, Bialica is, he was hot in the beginning, but kind of cooled off, but he can provide you some shooting. And then uh, Moses Moody is a, is a sleeping giant in the G League that can come and, you know, really do well a couple of years from now. Him and Chris Duarte would really work well together. Yeah, so the Warriors only have, like, the only pick they owe is the 24 pick. So they can trade this year's pick. So that's like the 2022 pick. So that, I mean, that would probably be the pick that makes the most sense just mm-hmm. because you know, no yeah. one's the 2026 pick is like the next pick that they could trade, which wouldn't make sense. Um, my only thing about miles Turner is like, I feel like he's been in trade talks for like four years and like, yeah. and like everyone like loves him, but no one wants to trade for him. So I feel like the trade market isn't like, I think the, the trade you laid out would make sense for the Pacers. Um, I just don't think the market is what the Pacers want for him. And I'm not really sure why I think like what you laid out as a fair trade. I just don't think that will happen. Just, and the league doesn't value miles Turner as much as they should. Um, is that because I mean, he can block I and mean, he's not a great defender. He's all right defender. Um, but like post, and this is my, like, I love a good NBA big man. Uh, Robbie, I, t- I told you I'd say it. Uh, I love a good big man. And I don't understand why big men aren't so highly valued in the league. I, I, I really don't get it because if you look at, all the best teams that like go for the championship. Yes, they don't have a like a top tier big man besides Giannis, but like Phoenix needed DeAndre Ayton. Uh, when the Warriors were great, I mean, even though they weren't top tier big men, but they had a Andrew Bogut, a um, God, that guy that sucked and uh, ruined Kawhi's knee. What's his name? Um, he played Pachulia. for Pistons. Yeah, Zaza Pachulia. They had him. Uh, they had um, Javale McGee. Like they they had big men. Bogut. And so you need a good big man, or at least like a competent big man. I, I really don't understand the disrespect here. Yep. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I hope you find your big man. <laughs> I'm always looking for my big man. Good. Good. Um, but yeah, so uh, I got a couple other trades. Mordak, anything else you wanted to cover? No. Uh, good on mine. I'm curious to hear your trade. Um, I know we wanted to go around the horn uh, to finish out the segment to talk about our favorite historical um yeah NBA yeah trade. give us your favorite historical then i'll give you some of my trades yeah i mean so uh i think i think probably in recent memory the carmelo trade uh to to new, to new york was probably the the big one 
um, you know, brought a lot of excitement. We had Jeremy Lin, you know, happen during that segment. They went to the, went to the playoffs. Um, that was, what do you say we, what do you say we, who, which fan base are you referring to? I slipped, I slipped up. I slipped up there. I don't know. I I met my city. I, I, I don't know exactly what I meant there. Um, teams do you have, man? (laughs) (laughs) It's like six. You can't lose, I guess. Can't Um, win either, apparently. Yeah, no, we can't. Um, so, uh, so I like the Carmelo one. And then, uh, the, the one that, didn't make much sense to me at first, but then once the season panned out, it was in 2018 when the Cavs traded like all the ger- the geriatrics that they had on their squad, where they got rid of it. I hate saying this, but they brought they they shipped Dwayne Wade uh, back to Miami, which is for the for the better. Um, and then they got younger talent. They got Larry Nance and, and Jordan Clarkson, and and were able to make a push to the finals that year. Obviously, losing to the Warriors yet again, but due to J.R. Smith, but, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a good push of just like establishing a, a reset in the middle of the season and then being able to really make a push in the second half of the season, which I think a lot of these teams could use right now in today's league. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, the mellow one definitely resonates with me. Um, I, I feel like that's a trade which didn't really need to happen from like a Knicks perspective. Cause it was pretty much just like done deal that he was going to come there in the off season. And Denver somehow was able to get what Wilson Chandler and Gallinari um, that, that was like a, a no, no name Mozgov at the time, like Mozgov ended up being a really big piece and they had flipped him again later. Um, and then I think they used one of their picks to end up getting Iguodala, which obviously then that uh, like for Denver didn't work out, but they ended up getting a lot of talented players. And then obviously like the Knicks made a, they were exciting again to get Carmelo there. So I, I like that one. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. That, so one of the trades that I think, I mean, yeah, I hated the, the IT trade because I think IT has been disrespected too. Uh, but, and also Cleveland going to the finals that year with LeBron, not, not fun for me. Cause it was just, a, it was an ass kicking when they finally got there. It wasn't fun, uh, but it was deserved. Uh, I like the Carmelo trade just cause of the excitement. Um, it's, you know, Carmelo in New York is, is a match made in heaven, even though it's sad that it didn't go anywhere. They never made a finals, but, you know, Carmelo will have his jersey retired there because he meant so much to that city and it allowed for you guys to get Jeremy Lin, his experience there too. Um, a couple trades from the trade deadline that I liked. I mean, there's obviously the Pistons one, which um, the Pistons great one, which was Bob Sura um, to, I think, Atlanta. Atlanta trades a... Uh, Sharif Abdul Rahim to Portland and Portland trades um, Rashid Wallace to the Pistons. And that led us to um, two NBA finals, one ship, six straight conference finals, I think. And a dynasty that was, was it six straight conference finals? Or was it seven? It was seven. It was a lot of conference finals. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was sick. It was six. Yeah. It was yeah. Six. And, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, pretty much my childhood was, was fantastic because of that. That was a fantastic trade, and I think we can all say it was probably one of the best trades ever made for the trade deadline, uh, just because of what it led to. Another trade that has been kind of, um, you know, no one really talks about it, but it was in 2018 and 2019 when um, the Toronto Raptors made it to the finals, and it was the Marcus Gasol trade. So uh, the Grizzlies traded Marcus Gasol to the Toronto Raptors for Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and a second-round pick, and Marcus saw was a key part along with, uh, with Kawhi letter to making to the finals that year and winning it all. So that is a trade that I, is very low key. No one talks about it at all, but it was vital 
uh, yeah, for I, I that. Completely agreed on the Marcus All. No one talked about it at all. Um, yeah, it, I don't know why. Like he he was an incredible talent and was a, honestly part of another great trade deadline deal for his own brother. So yeah, I mean he he was a, he's a great player. They got a defensive big big man to to win the ship for them. There you go. There you go. Another big man. See, I love my big man. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to a couple uh, – going back to the current trades, I'm going to throw it to a couple more trades that I think maybe could happen or should happen. Carnal, before you got to do that, I, I yeah. got to hop, but uh, great to have you on, Robbie. Love the discussion today. I'll let you guys finish out the podcast. See you all later. Yes. All right. Thanks, thanks Moina, for joining in. Uh, it's going to be all Pistons from here on out. Hey, hey, Carno, just, just before we go to that, I, I have yeah. I want to get my uh, trade deadline history. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, yes. Yeah, so this is one that people really probably don't think about at all. Um, so this is so 2011, year before the lockout. Um, Clippers trade Baron Davis and a first-round pick to the Cavs. Mm-hmm. That, no, they didn't, there was rumors that there might be an amnesty clause because of the con- the contractual situations. The economy wasn't great. So like being able to release a player to kind of give yourself more flexibility. So they dished out yep. Baron Davis prior to that, that first round pick, like a 2% chance of being number one, what number one Kyrie gets drafted by the Cavs. Yep. Hypothetically that trade doesn't happen. They, if they're able, so LeBron comes back, does LeBron come back if Kyrie's there? Who really knows. Um, and then also, that the next year they trade for Chris, the Clippers trade for Chris Paul. So yep. they wouldn't need Chris Paul with Kyrie. So they keep, do they keep Eric Gordon, Eric Bledsoe? Um, like, so like oh, yeah. that, that trade has enormous ramifications for the, the shape of the league really, because I mean, they could have potentially dealt for somebody else, kept that roster mm-hmm. and Lob City would be with Kyrie and like a bunch of shooters and then Blake Griffin and DeAndre. So that's one trade online deal. Never trade an unprotected first round pick. That's just my, my, that's that, like at least top three protected. Like that way, if you got like a generational talent, you can get it. But that's, I, that's I, I rest my case. That's actually, it's funny you mentioned that. So, like, all right. So, Cleveland gets uh, the first round pick, right? Because they, um, and they get, I mean, they get the Clippers first round pick, and that turns out to be Kyrie. If Cleve, if, um, sorry, if the LA Clippers kept that pick, they would have Kyrie. And who else was in that year? Um, I don't think anyone else really worth it. Um, but it'd be Kyrie. If Kyrie goes, then I don't think they ever even get the chance of getting Blake Griffin because they'd probably not be like a bottom feeder. They probably might be like a, like a second bottom. No, Blake because... Griffin was drafted later. Or, yeah, so I'm saying Blake, like... Griffin, no, Blake Griffin's already drafted at this point. Oh, sorry. was he 2010? Uh, Blake Griffin was... Let me, let me pull this up. Just continue. Uh, he was drafted in uh, 2009. He did not play that rookie year. Okay, yeah, 2000. Okay, so Blake Griffin's there. Giandre, wow. Crazy, Blake Griffin right? wouldn't be a lob city Blake Griffin though, because Kyrie doesn't do that. He likes ISO scoring. Like he's not Chris Paul is the key to Blake Griffin's potential there. So I don't know if Blake Griffin is Blake Griffin. He might be something else. Um, and then you he, have, maybe he develops uh, shooting a little bit earlier than. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, he's all he's tried to do it in Detroit, which is awful. But um, dude, the implications of that trade is ridiculous. I got I'm gonna skew on this later on, like. That yeah. is a crazy trade. Um, well done. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, but going back to some current trades that we have. Um, so I'll give you one, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, we talked about it earlier. I texted this to you earlier. But it is a massive three-team trade, or four-team trade, technically. Yeah, four-team trade. So the trade is the Kings, who have been 
pretty much a NBA yard sale of <laughs> players and, and salary. Right cap. way of describing it. They've trade they're gonna trade Marvin Bagley and Derek Favors to the Pistons. So Marvin Bagley, I think, has two years left on his contract. Derek Favors has one year. So these are basically one-year rentals. And so that's 21 million in cap space going to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. The Lakers also get a, a player from the Kings in Buddy Heald, the player that they always wanted, but LeBron kind of vetoed because he wanted Russell Westbrook. So that was the, tr- the trade that was going to happen uh, if it wasn't for Rus- Russell Westbrook. So the Lakers get Buddy Heald from the Kings and they get Jeremy Grant from the Pistons. So they get everything they wanted, but they also take on 42.8 million in cap. In order to alleviate that 42 million in cap, they traded Russell Westbrook to the Thunder. So Russell Westbrook goes home basically and you know he loved the thunder and thunder get fans get excited because russell westbrook's gonna and when he was there he kind of led the young players to at least a first round exit which was you know something and the thunder in order to balance things out so they trade to the kings uh poku alex poku chefsi louis dort who's a one-year rental and so the uh the thunder also get Avery Bradley and THT from the Lakers. So they take on 16 million in cap space, a lot of young talent. They get some, like they get a defensive player in Avery Bradley who kind of teaches the players how to play defense. So I listed out some reasons as to why this trade works for all teams. Pistons, they get a one-year rental, as I mentioned. Hey, hey, real real quick. Are there any picks involved before you dive into the details? uh, There should be some picks involved. I haven't really looked into the details of picks, but if I had to think about it, like, all right, the Thunder probably needs to get a couple, like, I don't know what Lakers can offer them, but they need to get some picks from the Lakers. They yeah, also would probably be need to... 27 is one of the next. Time yeah. Lakers yeah. 27 picks. So they, they probably get a 2027 pick from the Lakers. And then they probably need to get some, like a, maybe a second rounder from the Pistons. Um, just mm-hmm. to like kind of balance it out. The Kings need a ton of picks. So they need to get some of the Thunder picks. Um, and they probably need to get like another pick from the Pistons. The Thunder, they don't really need any picks, but they're getting Russell Westbrook. Um, well, I mean, they'll get the, the first runner from the Lakers, but um, other than that, like, I don't think they can handle any more picks. I don't think uh, there has to be a limit on how many picks you can have, right? I mean, they have like, like 30 no. picks or something. No, you just, you just can only, you can only trade your first round pick every uh, other year. That's so, totally, okay. I mean, you could acquire all 30 first round picks if they wanted. So, Sam Presti, if you're listening, you won't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the Thunder will just get like the Lakers first rounder, which adds to their arsenal. Um, and then the Pistons don't get any picks. Um, they just get their players, uh, which for better or worse, I mean, they're going to get, they're going to keep their first rounder, which is going to be good because they'll get Jabari Smith later in next year, which is what I'm hoping. So the whole reason why that want this to work for the Pistons is they get Cade Cunningham to work in a pick and roll system, which uh, he can't do right now because Isaiah Stewart's too small, but they get him to work in a pick and roll system with Bagley or Derek Favors and it'll help him for Jabari Smith next year, or Paolo Bancaro, or Chet Holgram, preferably Jabari Smith. But it gets them into the groove. The Lakers get everything they want. They've wanted um, Jeremy Grant. They've wanted Marvin or um, Buddy Heald. So it's but they lose on their their long term assets. They're, they're losing out on everything in the future. But it's like win now mode, and which is what they need for LeBron. Yeah. So they, just oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so just looking at it from like a Lakers perspective, this is like a pipe dream. I think this is like perfect for what they would want. I mean, they essentially get off of Russell Westbrook's contract. They, I think, reduce their 
cap hit by like 10 million, which from a luxury tax perspective is at least like 20 or 30 million. I'd have to look it up exactly. I think it's but actually it's like, only 2 million because they're taking on the contracts of Brant and Heald. Right, but they're giving up Westbrook and THT. Um, yeah, so, so it's, it's uh, they're, they're giving up. Oh yeah, I didn't think about, I didn't think yeah, about THT. Yeah, the 9.5. Yeah, I didn't think about THT. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you look at it from that perspective, like the Lakers, 100%, like I see why they'd want to do it. Thunder, I mean, if you want to add some excitement, sure. Um, I think if they were able to acquire like a couple of firsts, like, I don't know, from somebody, like I know obviously if one would have to be from the Lakers, but they'd have to get a first from somebody on here. Um, and then obviously I think you'd have to work with Russell Westbrook to either play that this year and then buy him out for next year, maybe cut him like 10 million off next year where like it doesn't hurt your cap hit because realistically it, it makes sense for them to take on more salary for next year. Um, Cause I think I, like I, we talked about earlier, I think the next year is when they're really going to go for it. Yeah. Um, whether that's middle of the year or the end of the year, um, which an expiring contract's attractive regardless. I mean, as long as, you know, regardless um, I, I I'm, I'm just, I guess, from a Pistons perspective, um, just like Marvin Bagley, I think he's a restricted free agent either this year yeah, or the following he's year. He's a restricted free agent entered this year. So uh, he has a two-year deal. So, like, we can either pick up the player option, which I don't think we should. I think we should just kind of let him walk. But, it, it, I mean, it just let, it lets the Pistons play in a, a pick and roll. It's just a system fit for me. Um, that's the reason why I wanted that. Because right now, Kate Cunningham, like, when he played at OKC – or not OKC, uh, Oklahoma State – like the pick and roll kind of worked for him, even though he didn't really have a reliable partner, but the system was there for Cade to, you know, show his distribution skills and play in a role that actually fits him. Um, that's why I kind of want this. It's more of like for the, the development of that team. Yeah. I think the, I think the Pistons would say no, just because essentially you're trading Jeremy Grant after the season for Derek favors on a one-year deal. So I think that's why they would probably say no. Um, I think that you'd need to get a little more talent, assuming that Marvin Bagley doesn't stay forever. It's um so yeah I I zoom both they, they're both one year rentals we're gonna pick up so we're gonna have a top three pick uh, as long as the lottery doesn't screw us we're gonna have a top three pick so we get if we get one we get uh, the pick of all three Paulo Chet and uh, Jalen or sure. Jabari sorry um if you get two you get two of the three if you get third I think it's gonna be Jabari Smith and that's the one I really want uh because that that guy's a six ten uh shooter can also play the post can play defense. He's a very good defender. And that guy working, like, I think he's like a poor man's Evan, Evan Mobley a little bit. And to have him play with Cade, I think that's going to be great. And that, that will be the future that will be sustainable for the Pistons. Another thing is that you're also getting rid of Jeremy Grant's contract, who's the most expensive contract on the Pistons. So by having these two players saying, all right, I have an infusion of youth, you could probably attract a, a pretty good uh, Detroit's not a really good uh, stomping ground for free agents, but like, to have that talent, that youth talent, saying, like, all right, we have these two players, it would be really exciting to play with them. You could probably get a good uh, free agent to come in and say, hey, you know what? This Pistons thing might be might be something. L let me join that and, you know, get on this train of youth development. So I, I, I like your, I like where your head's at. From, mm -hmm. I guess this is probably a good segue into the Pistons. I like where your head's at from, like, we're not kind of clearing cap space for next year i think that that portion of it makes sense i just think you need to there needs to be a picker so another like young player involved for the pistons to say yes but i right. I, I understand where you're coming from for sure let me throw this one at you then because this is another pistons one yeah. uh the pistons trade jeremy grant and killian hayes to the hawks for john collins the next first round pick and a couple other future picks that i haven't thought of mm -hmm. um so it's basically a john collins for jeremy grant's 
plus yeah. throwing Killian because I don't think Killian and we can talk about this when we talk about the Pistons a little bit more but I don't think Killian Hayes really has a future with Detroit I think he's he's not a bad I don't think he's a bad player I, I I'm not I'm not done with that but I just don't think it's going to work in Detroit um but we get it again. This is again when I think of these trades, I always think of like, oh, who's going to su- supplement Cade the best, and I think John Collins is going to be fantastic for Cade because unlike Trey Young, Cade likes playing off the ball a little bit, and John Collins likes holding the ball a little bit. So you can have some like some you know mix and match facilitation there. Um, and then the Hawks get um, you know Jeremy Grant, who's offense something that can play, and they get Killian Hayes, who's actually a pretty good uh, perimeter defender. He's long. He's strong. He's a pretty good perimeter defender, allows, um, you know, some resemblance of defense to be on that team. And then when Trey Young's on the bench, Killian doesn't like shooting, so he can facilitate and get all these other players involved. So that, what do you think about that? I think I'm not the huge, like that super high on John Collins. So I don't think for me, like I've, I've heard someone float on John Collins trade, not like exactly what you said, but like to me before, I, I don't really want John Collins from the Pistons, but I think from like a value perspective, if you value John Collins, like very high, I think that's a very fair trade for both teams. I think it, I think one, um, it provides uh, the Pistons with more youth, um, more like, I don't know, like, I think it would be a better fit. Um, and then the Hawks, it, it would provide more of a win now kind of play, but also Jeremy Grant's not that old. So, um, oh, is yeah. And, and I don't like, I don't think Killian has a future in Detroit either. Um, personally, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I think a change of scenery might be really good for him. I think he has the talent. I just, it does. It, I don't know if it's more of like a mental thing or, so I think, this, I think the physical like skills are there. Um, so I, I, I yeah. I, I would I would say that's a that's a that's a fair fair trade for sure. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't personally do it, but I, if they pulled the trigger, I would like hate it. So okay, all right, yeah, um, yeah. That, so this is like inside. I mean, you mentioned like you know there there are a lot of options to Pistons, but I'm gonna give the floor to you for a little bit and have you talk about because you're you're a, a, you know a pretty strong Pistons fan. You've been to the Pistons game this year. I mean, even though we talked about this earlier, like even though it's probably better for us to lose when you go to those games, you want the Pistons to win. You're, you're, you are a loyal fan of the Pistons. I'll give you that. So tell me what, how do we fix this team? What's the issue? What are the problems and what can we do in the short term and long term to help this team out? Yeah. So I think they're, so just backing it up, right? Like I think the, if you look at like the 2010s, it's like the lost decade of the Pistons. Like there's not really anything to get excited about. Yeah. We had Andre Drummond, like there was nothing, right? Um, okay. now there was, we always the seventh to the ninth pick in the draft, never bad enough to get the, a, a great player, never good enough to really do anything other than get swept in the playoffs. Um, I mean, just, just being very frank. Um, yeah, so you bring so, up a lot of PTFD here. So, so you think about it, right? So Troy Weaver's first year COVID year, no one can go to games. Perfect year to like be awful in my opinion. So if, if you were to put like, Troy Weaver and the Pistons, like, if you were to say, we're going to get three first round picks, we're going to have a, we're going to work to clear our cap sheet of pretty much every player that had not been here for more than a year, sign a free agent for the exact contract that his incumbent team wanted, offered him and Jeremy Grant. And he picked Detroit over Denver, which I don't think people sometimes really like really think about like Detroit doesn't get free agents. Um, And then while, even if you watch the games while still being competitive, and then winning the lottery to get the first overall pick. If you were to say that in the very beginning part of the year, that would be an A plus, A plus first year, in my opinion. And I think it blows out the expectations that you have. 
So Not to mention, I mean, even backing up from that, like I think it was Troy Weaver there during the draft when we actually had a, like besides Killian Hayes, which is not a great pick, but we also got Sadiq Bay, Isaiah, who so we traded for really good draft picks that year. Minus yeah, Killian. and and two of those, and like all the rookies are developing to uh, yeah, two all rookie teams. Um, mm-hmm. So like all players. So I mean, that's huge. Like you, you really can't ask for more than that while still being bad, but like still like relatively okay to watch exciting yeah yeah so I, I think yeah. i think that's the big thing so um how to fix the pistons that's that's a loaded question because there's not a ton so i think for me the building blocks are caden bay um i think those I are the two guys where you i could see Cade's going to be a consistent all-star in several years bay could be a fringe all-star if not an all-star here and there i think he shows like the potential right there um, yes, I think, it, you know, you see it in all the trade talks right now. Um, I think Jeremy Grant is where you really determine, is he going to be here long-term? Is he the guy? Is he, I think he's a, a great player and has, it brings a lot of, a lot of excitement to the team, but I think it never makes more sense to, to trade him now. Um, and we can get into more trades here in, in a minute, but, mm-hmm. um, I think that's where if you're going to do that, it makes sense to get him out get a, a player you like a first round pick albeit it's not going to be a top 10 or anything like that and giving yourself additional cap space so i'll pause there i know i rambled yeah. for a bit so yeah you mentioned jeremy grant like so the one thing about him is there are two, or actually there are two things that uh you know me not making the best for, for the pistons he's first of all let me let me say this about jeremy grant we've had a ton of free agents that have come to detroit or even like players that have come to detroit that have you know, put in their work, but didn't really, like, they didn't try. Um, I would say Andre Drummond, he was a pick, but he he put in his effort, but he I don't think he really embodied the city of Detroit. He was a Motor City. Blake Griffin came in a trade, and you, it's very difficult because, like, yeah, he, he did work hard in the beginning, but he didn't even attempt to dunk his second year. And then he goes to uh, Brooklyn, and then A, trash shocks the Pistons, and B, starts dunking all the time it really shows like, all right, he kind of ma- mailed it in there. And then you have all these other free agents that have come in. I mean, going from Ben Gordon to Charlie Villanueva to uh, Josh Smith, all these players that have like, you know, I would say a little bit like disrespected the Pistons fans by not trying hard, not really doing well and not really giving a shit about the team. Jeremy Grant is the different. Jeremy Grant has actually cared about the city. He's worked his ass off. He's tried so hard and I have nothing but like respect and thanks for him. Like that guy. 100%. Like he, like he, he's done, he's made us excited. And like, thank you so much, Jeremy Grant. But Jeremy Grant doesn't fit the Pistons system or where I think it's going to be. One, Jeremy Grant's, uh, he's young. He's not that old, but he's 27. And all these other players are 20, 21. So in terms of, you know, growing it together's timeline, I don't think Jeremy Grant's, I think he's going to age out right when the Pistons are going to be good. So he may not fit the rebuild timeline. Two, Jeremy Grant's, primary method of offense is all dribble handoff dribble handoff uh coming off a ball screen from a big man and scoring uh and he needs he likes like likes a lot of wing isos if in order to have that a point guard really needs to not be the primary focal point of your offense it needs to be a big man that can you know a uh nikola Jokic type or someone that can facilitate as a big man we don't really have that I mean, Isaiah Stewart tries, but he's undersized. It's not meant to be him. Kelly Olenek was kind of there to help off the dribble handoff portion. But again, Kelly Olenek's not a, a long-term solution. 
the the pieces in the Pistons are meant for pick and roll system. We're point guard heavy. We got facilitators on the perimeter, and then we got Sadiq Bay who can like be the uh, the Chris Middleton in a um, you know a pick and roll outlet option. Um, so it's just not the right fit for Jeremy for where we're trying to go. And I think we're in a crossroads right now because Jeremy Grant wants this, and he's the one that's actually like you know producing. So we're still working this dribble handoff system, which I don't personally like because Cade is not like he's being he's forced to be Luca rather than be a point guard, being more Chris Paul or being someone that, you know, what we envision him to be. So, yeah, it's time for Jeremy to go. But with that being said, we need to figure out what we want to be. What's the identity of the Pistons in the in two years, three years, five years? And that's like all the trades I've mentioned earlier are meant for the pick and roll option. Something that's very similar to a Chris Paul system. Chris Paul thrives in a pick and roll system. And he's a great facilitator that that's why I want Cade to be. And so looking at next year, we have, we're going to get another lottery pick because we're, we're, we're trash. So we're going to get the option of Paolo, Chet and um, Jabari. I want us to get Jabari just because reasons mentioned above. So then we have, we have our pick and roll system. Next, what do we need to do? So, all right, we have our pick and roll system. We have some salary cap space. We need defense, right? Um, and then Isaiah Stewart is probably going to be, he's not our starting center. We, we're probably going to get another starting center. So probably a good defensive anchor, like, because I like my big men. So who's that going to be? Um, I, I honestly haven't looked into it, but uh, it could be someone that fits the mold of a um, uh, Daniel Gafford or um, who else? Um, you know, a Bismarck Biombo-esque player that fits like as a defensive presence. So then now we have all those four pieces in. Next is a shooting guard. So we, Killian Hayes is not the answer. We need someone that can it lights out shooter. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, someone that of that caliber. It's not going to be them. Maybe even Gabe Vincent become the Pistons after he does his work there, or get like a um, uh, Juwan Toscano Anderson who's played uh, for the uh, Golden State Warriors and knows how to shoot. So that's like my my short term to long term plan here is like we need to figure out the system. Jeremy Grant's been great for us, but I, it's he he was a, a method to get more picks and to get more uh, weapons around us. And now it's time to go. I think Troy Weaver needs to understand. Uh, it's good that he's like he's done fantastic in terms of acquiring talent, but it's now like figuring out all right what is the right kind of talent. You just can't get everyone anyone. We need to figure out what exactly fits Cade, and we need to really say that all right we're sold on Cade. We're gonna build around him and we're gonna build around his system. So that's a little I, long convoluted, convoluted answer. It's what's fix the Pistons. So I, I would agree with you and I'll give you my take. So, um, and I'll be just a real quick. So Grant needs to be traded for a pick and a young player or two, two first round picks, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Just, just from like a deadline perspective, um, you need to check the market for Olenek. If you want to like exhaust cap space, I like Kelly Olenek. I don't think he's long-term as well. So just dish him out. And then who do we have? You know, you got the Frank Jackson's, um, I don't like Corey that. Joseph, like we, the, the Josh Jackson, they could be worth something like second round pick, try and dish them out. Like they're expiring veterans. Um, our, our cap sheet other than um, Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olenek is, is rookie contracts and Deandre Jordan's bought out. Like the, that's the most expensive we have. So it's a very open cap sheet. Uh, if you're able to get rid of those two, like you said, draft pick. So if we add a draft pick, on top of our lottery pick, we take one of the top three. I'm not sold on anyone yet. I'm not like definitive, like this is exactly what we need. Um, so you get an additional pick. And then, so here's kind of my, my thoughts, right? So if you are able to kind of execute that, um, 
do you, there's like three options. Do you go big this off season and do you swing for the fences, which probably not going to work out. Right. Like, let's be honest. Like we got, we got Jeremy Grant. Let's not get greedy. We could, we could try and get Deandre and miles bridges, Marvin Bagley, all restricted free agents. So you can work, try and work a sign in trade. I, I don't think that's a very likely option, but I think it's worth at least exploring. Right. Um, yeah. Or you have the cap space. Do you go for more mid-tier guys? Like, are we trying to build out around them? Like kind of what you were saying, do we go for guys like Forbes, Bruce Brown, Dennis Schroeder, Gary Harris? We need shooters. We need shooters around, around Cade. Cade needs shooters. Like Kelly Olenek is a perfect fit for the system. He's just not going to make me the timeline. So not just completely. shooters though. We need three and D shooters. Shooters that for can sure. defend. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, no doubt. Um, but here's, so this is my personal favorite. And this is kind of forms from Troy Weaver being a disciple of Sam Presti. So and just talking a little bit more about Troy Weaver. And I, I, I don't know if people always know a lot about him. I think everyone trusts him, but he's a big part of why OKC drafted Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams. And those, he's a big, like, obviously the KD pick, it was an, it was a no brainer. So you can't say like, Oh, he found KD, but with the rest of them, he's a big part of like the talent development. Um, identifying that and, and taking that. So my personal favorite with him is rent being basically like an OKC for a year where you rent salary cap space. It's not a, a premium as it used to be where you can like, like take on like 10 million and get like a first round pick. Um, but I think if you look at some of the salary cap situations in like Denver, Atlanta, Philly, Utah, Dallas, the Clippers, Golden State, there's some massive luxury tax bills there. Um, and I don't know some of those teams eat it like golden state the clippers super rich owners like no but they don't really care they, they care more about winning but i mean you can acquire some of their kind of like large contracts with a one-year deals and essentially add more picks for the future not saying that you need to use them on more younger talent but if you acquire like a 2025 six pick and then maybe you're competing in the playoffs you're able to use that to add that shooter that you needed or add that defender that you needed at the trade deadline, like we're talking about now in three years. So doing that. And then I think the, the, the year that is key is not this off season, but next off season. So if we're able to do that, I think there's some free agents that I personally like, um, and you know, there's player options. So they may not all be in the 2023 off season, but think of I, Bogdan Bogdan, as I call him uh, from Atlanta, <laughs> he'll be a free, um, yep. D'Angelo Russell, Kelly Oubre, my the one I want, Karis LeVert. I think he would be perfect. I think he would be perfect. I think he is a shooting guard, but he can play off of like I don't know. I, I just like him a lot in the system. He went to Michigan. It's a potential to get here, and um, or we could get Chris Stops, or you know, you're a small market team. You're not really able to to get those players via free agency. It's always more difficult once you overpay. You talked about all the free agents. We we overpaid Ben Gordon, Villanueva, Josh Smith. We we blew other teams out of the water and then they were trash for, for our team. Um, so you can work on getting trades. So you have the cap space. The, the time to do it is in the off season because you see some of these trades, like um, we were talking about the Mellow trade. It was like literally a third of the roster of New York for a third of the roster on Denver. Like it was like 11 player trade. You're telling me those 11 players are worth those 11 players with like a pick. Like, no, it's just because the salaries need to work out. So the off seasons where you can truly assess value and trade when, especially when there's cap space involved or like trade exceptions or whatever you want to get. Yeah. So I think that is where the key is, is that 2023 off season. And frankly, if you kind of like back up a little bit, we're bad this year, 
if we're bad one more year, look how bad OKC when when um, you know they were bad with KD for Westbrook, Harden, and then they took off. Like you don't want to get too good like the Mavs. Luca, amazing, cra- crazy talent. He carried the team to to be like too not good, but like not bad enough where they can continue to add talent. They scared and the then Clippers. You have to, yeah, yeah, but like, but they they again they just don't like around him. I don't like their team. So just it, it's important to like go for it, but also like if you do it too quickly, it can hinder your ability and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just kind of in that twenty twenty three off season, it's a couple years before. I think it's a year or two before Cade's extension will go and Bay's extension. Will, so like, that's when you need to capitalize when the cap space is available. Cause once those guys, if they're, if they're the guys that you want them to be, there's no way you can add like great talent around them. You'll add the fringe bench guys, six man, maybe occasional like starter, but so that's my long winded answer on what I think the Pistons should do. Okay. So, all right. I'm going to ask you two questions first. Um, so we have the Sadiq Bay extension coming in, in three years, now, I think, right now, because it's a four-year rookie contract. It was two years ago. Yeah, three, two years, technically. So Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart coming in in two years. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming we want to keep at least Sadiq. We have to keep Sadiq. Isaiah, I like, but I don't think we're going to give him like a max deal. We're, he's gonna, he's a good six-man player. He's going to have to be a six-man player. So that's sure. two years from now. Three years from now is the Cade extension, right? Yeah. Um, or Cade option. So that's mm-hmm. – and he's going to be 24, 23 then. And yeah. all the players are going to be relatively around the same age. So are you meaning to say that, like, all right, we're going to, we're going to kind of tank for next year, this year, we're going to tank next year ish. The year after that is when we're going to start um, going a little bit. Uh, and then right after we sign the Sadiq Bay extension, that's when we start like making moves. Um, so, so the, there's the one option where we, we try and sign people this, this off season. It depends if you clear the cap space from this trade deadline with Olenek and Grant. That's I don't think we should do that. Uh, I honestly okay. think, yeah, because just because yeah. we're, we're too young now, um, you know, hold on to the stuff and, and maybe we could, maybe we could, but uh, maybe just something for uh, a development tool, not so much a, a long-term solution. Yeah. So, that's why I, I, mean, like, if you... uh, I was like playing like all these like pick and roll options, like development tools for the game. Yeah. So I think, so next year, I don't think, I wouldn't call it tanking because I, I don't think we, I think we'd continue to win games. I think Kate's going to take two biggest steps to like be a bottom five team. Probably lottery team. Yeah. I'd yeah. agree with that. Um, so I think that like the 2023 off season, so the year 2023, 24, which would that's be. That's the year. That's going to be the Sadiq uh, exchange. So it was last year of his rookie deal yep. so and you have to so, do yeah. the, the the restricted eight you know how you have to give the player or the team option so that's gonna be the team option year yeah and then yep. yeah the, yep. then the following year so yeah the following year it'll kick in so i think that's mm-hmm. going to be the, the critical year because after that you're not going to have any space to do anything and then you're kind of cap strong and then you i mean there's really unless you completely gut the roster and try and sign someone it doesn't really make sense all right so we're keeping um sadiq obviously we're keeping uh Cade. obviously we're mm-hmm. not keeping killian killian we're going to have to figure out a way to just get yeah. him out because, and he has value now. So we'll figure that out later. Um, Isaiah Stewart, I think we're leaning on keeping. Um, or... I haven't listed as a probably keep, but I'm not okay. I'd like, it's, if you were to, everyone has a price, right? So right. I, mean, I, I like him a lot, but I don't, I don't know how he fits in the system. Yeah. Yeah. I like him as a, as a defender, like a straight big man off the bench um, or mm. medium man. He's not that big. Um, he's only six, eight, which is weird. Like to play as a center and be six eight. I mean, Ben Wallace is there's only a once in a generation Ben Wallace. He's a strong gonna, man. He is a strong man. He's a strong man, but he's 
like, and he has grit and grab, but I, I don't think he's like his IQ on defense is as high as I'd expect a, um, you know, a big man that's smart plays defense could be. I don't think he has the IQ of a defender yet. He's getting there, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, it's not Ben Wallace. It, sure. uh, ben Wallace is like had an IQ that was ridiculous on defense. Sure. Um, but okay, so we're keeping those three. Mm-hmm. We're getting rid of Killian. What about Hamadou Diallo? Should we keep him? Because that's, that's another player I really like. Probably keep, yeah. yeah. I think he's got another year after this. Um, he's shown some some flashes. I mean, we, we gave up assets to get him, so we definitely think highly of him. And he's, I think, proven, especially in this COVID year where lots, lots of plug and plays, he's, he's played pretty well. Yeah, to watch I, too. I really like Hamadou. Um, I think he's like, his shooting can improve, but he, he, he can definitely drive. He can, he knows how to play offense. He has an offensive IQ that can come off the bench and actually, you know, do something. Um, so Hamadou's good. Uh, Corey Joseph. So there actually been a lot of discussion about, like a lot of players need a depth point guard or a lot of teams mm. need a depth point guard. So we could probably trade him this year, but uh, so assuming we don't trade him this year, you, you want him kind of out, like use him as a trade chip or an asset to go get someone else. Yeah, I, th- I think... I think he's got – this is his – look at his caps. Yeah, I think making a trade for him – trading him makes the most sense. I, I like him, uh, I, but I, like you said, I think he has a decent amount of value where, I mean, he's not going to be around, I don't think. He's got a he's got an option next year for $5.1 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think – I mean, honestly, when you see – he makes more this year, it's a de-escalating option. I, I foresee them probably trying to trade him. And I think you can get a second-round pick. I mean, nothing crazy, but I think there's some value in that. I think you get multiple second rounders probably because, or maybe like, if you know, like a low end first, very low end first, like swap or something. He has like, there's some deceptive value for Corey. He's very good backup point guard. Like put him in the category, not with Jalen Brunson, but like if Jalen Brunson goes, he's probably the second best option for a, a depth point guard in the, in the market right now. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. And yeah. I, I wanted to trade him in the off season because I think he has value and, but I think he's good for us too. So, I mean, if we keep him, we trade him next year or whatever. I mean, okay. completely. we need to pick up, I think it's a, is that a player option? Yeah. It's a player option. So he might, he might decline that, but. Okay. So Corey Joseph's out. And then I think we are, the it's written in the stars for uh, Kelly Olenek, Trey Lyles, who we both hate. Um, and then like anyone else is just a one-year rental really on the Pistons. Okay. So now that means we have three players that we know we need to add five more players to have a good uh, rotation. Um, mm-hmm. And in three years, we need five more players. Two of those are going to be draft picks and two and three of those are going to be, you know, free agents. So the draft picks, we don't know. Or I'm, trades. I'm leaning, yeah. Or trades. Yeah. Uh, I'm leaning Jabari. Uh, and then two, two years from now, who knows what we're going to have. Um, I have no idea who's going to be there two years. I don't know what sure. high school player is going in. Um, but then we have these other places. You mentioned Kelly Oubre. You mentioned Karis LeVert. Uh, you mentioned um, who else? Miles Bridges, who I don't think Miles Bridges is going to go. Miles Bridges is, is sticking with Lonzo and they're, or, uh, LaMelo, and they're going to do some stuff. Sure. Here's another – I'm going to go back to the trades because here's another player I think that could fit with the development of the Pistons, and that is Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams on the Bulls. Uh, I re- like. I'm kind of disappointed that this trade hasn't happened already, because I really think Patrick Williams is a perfect power forward. Injured this year, really good defender, fantastic defender, and fits with the timeline of Cade Cunningham. So I like the trade I'm proposing is a Patrick Williams for K- uh, for Jeremy Grant, throwing Killian Hayes because I know they don't have any point guards right now. They're all injured. 
um, throwing Killian Hayes and maybe get like a first rounder or, and, and like a, um, like to Matt, to match outside. I think we need like a Matt Thomas or someone like from their depth. Derek Jones Jr. Or Derek Jones Jr. Which actually, I don't think they'll get rid of Derek Jones Jr. They need him right now. They don't have any like power forward players. Uh, maybe someone that has a salary or maybe they'll just throw cash to us because I don't think we can get Derek Jones Jr. right now. Um, but yeah, throw some cash or something. Um, but I think Patrick Williams should be part of that Pistons rebuild. Correct. So I what you, that's, that's the yeah. top of, that's my top trade um, in terms of, yeah, for like, it was a, and this, I don't know if this was just uh, some smoke on online, but it was Patrick Williams, Derek Jones Jr. It was two firsts. So a 2022 Portland, but it's lottery protected for the next six years. So who knows that might never convey, honestly, the Portland, the way Portland's going, that could be a second round pick in 2028, 29. Um, and then like, a, I think a bull pick would have to be 2025. Or later, I honestly yeah, would, don't have any. I, right I don't now. think that's fair for Chicago adding a second round, first round pick. I would take that in a heartbeat, but I don't. I don't think they would do that. I think if you made that Bulls pick a swap in like four years, I think that would be sufficient because that way, like, all right, Pistons are twenty and the Bulls are fifteen, like we we'll go up five spots, whatever. I mean, those those are the the trades where you could work out really well or might not do anything. Um, but I agree with you, Patrick Williams would be a really kind of fit our mold and kind of building on that. If we did that, Derek Jones Jr., that cap, like 10 million or whatever his cap hit is, comes off. And we just have Patrick Williams' salary, which is like six or seven million. Right. So that's essentially saving like 14 million from, from Grant's deal. So that opens up the cap for this year, slash, if whatever kind of route we want to go, which for me in a, in a Grant trade, it's young player, a pick, cap flexibility, checks all the boxes. So yeah, 100%. You know what's crazy is that like the Pistons, and I, I think uh, I'll round out the Pistons talk here is like the Pistons have so much. Like I know we we took out taking on some dead cap and salary, and I think even th- th- this might be the last year they were paying in Josh Smith's salary. Like we, um, you know, or maybe it was last year where we paid Josh Smith's salary, year, yep. yeah, which is ridiculous. But like you know, we we have some dead cap, but we are a sleeping giant in terms of cap space. Um, once we get rid of like we're gonna have so much cap room that. I don't want us to overpay for a bunch of stars, but we can pay for multiple, multiple role players. And in three years, I think we're going to be like the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest uh, yeah, player in terms of free agency. Like when I think about it that way, like it's, it's, it, we are, we're a sleeping giant in terms of going we're going to get a perennial uh, free agent signing, not this year, hopefully not next year, hopefully, but in two, three years um, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. See, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the cap space, um, but I think it'll be like not this June, but the following June. So June of 23 is when we we're essentially assuming Grant is gone, gone or doesn't sign an extension. I mean, Kelly Olenek's contract is partially guaranteed and he's the highest paid player other than Cade. So yeah. um, I think that's the that's the key year is next 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 offseason, whatever that looks like. Right. So, yeah. I agree with you though. Like we, we could, I don't think we'll get a star, but I think we'll add a couple a starter, a couple of really good role players. Um, and if we have got um, two more first round picks that end up being halfway decent, you know, that's a, that's a playoff roster in my opinion. Yeah. And by that time, I mean, KD is going to be old. James Harden's going to be back in the West, maybe uh, like the, it's going to be a wide open East. I mean, the, the, the big players are going to be Cleveland with Evan Mobley, mm-hmm. the, the, the Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham potential rivalry. It's, it's gonna be it's not gonna be a stupid rivalry. It's gonna be a respectful rivalry. I think this that might be a rivalry to come with a Cleveland Detroit young star acquisition. Um, mm-hmm. It's gonna come. So I think that's gonna be one. Chicago is gonna be 
kind of done. I think their window is now. It's going to be over after that. Miami will be good. But, like, if you think about it, it's going to be Miami, Cleveland. We'll see if Orlando can figure it out. But Cleveland, Miami, and Detroit in two years might be, um, you know, Charlotte. The, 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 strong, the strong three, which is right back to 2004, 2005 again. And Don't forget Charlotte. And Charlotte. Ah, Charlotte's deep. Like, you need to have defense. Like, Charlotte needs to put a defender in there. A couple defenders. Mm-hmm. Once they do that, they'll be fine. And Atlanta, I guess, put a couple defenders. But I think those are going to be the, a tear down. I think Cleveland, Miami, Detroit. I might be a little bullish on it. I'm very bullish on Detroit. But Cleveland, Miami, Detroit. I'm very excited for that. So yeah. that rounds out um, our conversation on the Pistons. Um any la- like so I know trade deadlines kind of any other trades that you wanted to talk about? Um not trades, but I just wanted to like kind of preface this for I guess the league, but also kind of for the Pistons. If you ever like if Jalen Brown or like someone of that caliber, which I know you guys think we talked about in your last podcast, which I agreed with, like they're gonna have to break up Tatum and, and Brown. I think yeah. the Pistons need to be in line for that. Like everything I said, I I don't I don't plan for like I'm not saying we need to get him and we're gonna get him because that's seems far-fetched but if that opportunity presents itself i would i would trade like a bay or someone else for in like picks or whatever that looks like to add him because i think that would be that would be like the move to make um it would have so, to be brown though not I don't, I don't want that for tatum i want it for brown they wouldn't trade tatum. tatum i think tatum's the guy they want to keep i don't think they should but yeah i get it he's he's more he's a sexier player for the for the city of uh boston um like i can yeah. throw 50 but i mean Jalen brown had a 40 point game 50 point game this year no one talks about that um he the guy's in my opinion better than tatum but oh well very intelligent player too yeah he is yeah and he's like he, he's a loyal player tatum mm-hmm. i think he always like tatum likes boston but i don't think he's like he's been thrown to boston i think he, he'd rather play with the bradley beal somewhere else than play in boston and struggle um yep. jalen brown wants to play in boston which actually might be an issue because uh, they may not want him. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that, I agree. I mean, if we get Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown in Detroit, wow, you really have me salivating nothing about that. Yeah, that, but like, that, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's such an exciting idea, but it's so unrealistic. So I like, I don't get, I try and temper my expectations, but it's always in the back of my mind, like, if that were to happen, like, you got to make the move. Oh, yeah, to. yeah. And it had to, I mean, there was a discussion about Ben Simmons coming to Detroit, which I hated. It was, I think, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, uh, and like two first rounders for uh, Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, and apparently Troy Weaver proposed that. And I was like, all right, that guy needs to be fired immediately if, if that was going to be the trade. Because Darren Moore needs to be fired for not accepting that trade because that's a, that's a steal of a trade. It's a steal, yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that Darren Moore, maybe he likes Detroit then too, because that, that it would have been so bad for the city of Detroit if we got Ben Simmons here, uh, who does not play offense at all uh, and would steal, but he would want to t- take the ball from Cade. And we still have Killian Hayes, which is basically a mini Ben Simmons. I'd do a Grant Killian in a first. I would do that. I don't. I don't want to give up uh, Sadiq for him, but I, I think a Grant for him. I don't want Ben Simmons here. I don't want him in. Like I don't want him messing up Cade's uh, development. I think Ben Simmons would really screw with Cade's development, um, unless he chose to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna roll on a pick instead of just sitting on my ass in the perimeter. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I want to before I'm gonna close this out with one last crazy trade for you. Get your reaction on that, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. This is this is my trade for you. Crazy trade for you. 
and this is not a Pistons related one. The Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets get in the trade. The Clippers get Paul Millsap and Kyrie Irving for Brooklyn, and the Brooklyn gets Reggie Jackson, Serge Ibaka, and Marcus Morris. Trade uh, there have to be picks involved. I don't know what the picks would be. Neither uh, of them have any picks to trade, though. That's the crazy thing. They they both just like they, they've dumped the farm, so they have like literally no no picks. So say right. say that trade one more time. I want to go through it. So Clippers get Paul Millsap and Kyrie Irving. Okay. Brooklyn gets Reggie Jackson, Serge Ibaka, and Marcus Morris. Here's why I think it would work. One, Brooklyn get the Kyrie headache out, and this may convince uh, James Harden to come back and play for KD. Serge Ibaka and Marcus Morris are good interior defenders, and they're good big men, and uh, the Brooklyn doesn't really have that right now. Um, they're, they're struggling in terms of their big men. Uh, the Clippers get a point guard that can hold the line with uh, well, Kawhi and Pajero. And then when you get all three of them together, it's going to be ridiculous because that team is going to be unstoppable. Plus, Kyrie can actually play in L.A. because I think it's only a San Francisco ordinance. It doesn't allow him to play if he was a player in San Francisco. But mm-hmm. I think L.A., he could be unvaccinated and still play. That's interesting. I, that was a trade I did not ever consider. Um, wow. Um, I, I feel like I, I'm just talking it out loud. If you think about it, like Kyrie only being able to play half the games, but being, now being able to play all the games, like, is, is obviously is a tremendous value for the Clippers. Um, but, yeah, Serge Ibaka comes off the cap for Brooklyn. Reggie Jackson apparently is a baller now. Another piston that is a baller, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Marcus Morris, another piston who's who's solid. Great role player. Great role player. Yeah, great, great role player. Yeah, I, I feel like you'd have to kind of dive into the details in terms of like the picks and stuff like that, like what what can be traded. Because I think mm-hmm. I think Brooklyn would need something. Because I think that otherwise, LA Clippers would be fleecing them. My only concern, I guess, would be kind of like what we were talking about before where you like when once you have three max players especially like 10 years out you're like those guys take up your entire salary cap and then you're like essentially the lakers where you have like 11 minimum contracts that would be my only concern i don't think the clippers care though like i I think they've been so invested at win now they just want to win once while lebron's in town they want to show that they are the team of la i really don't think that they care about their future they just want to win a championship Right. But like, I mean, that's not, I mean, I, I agree with you, but like you need those role players. Like look at the Lakers, like the Lakers have two top, well, I mean, I don't know what, what Anthony Davis is anymore. Like, <laughs> he's not, uh, he's not a top but, but like at one point, like they had like two of the best players in the league and mm-hmm. like, and look, but they have nothing around it. Right. Like they have no like value. So like, that's more of my concern versus like the, 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 the cost and the luxury tax in the future. They did win the chip though. They did. I mean, I know. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's a great trade. It's yeah. a great when trade. It's when LeBron got there, he wanted to win multiple chips, but they did get theirs. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it's worth it. You won a championship and you give up four first round picks and all, all the entire like youth. Like, I mean, it's worth it. I mean, I, I would, I would sell my soul for a Pistons championship and be trash for ten years. We did it without winning a championship for ten years. Like, I'd rather win one than be trash. So, yeah, I don't know what. Uh, that's again PTSD. I don't know what compelled us to get Ben Gordon trade. What, what compels to get Rodney Stuckey as our future? What the hell? Or I, Alan Iverson, who didn't want to play for us. He played, what, 15 games maybe? 20 games yeah. with the Pistons? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then we lost Chauncey. Man, sad times. But um, I'll close it out here. This was fantastic. So, guys, 
if there's an example of making your kids play video games, like Robbie's a perfect example of why kids should play video games. This guy, I mean, you saw exactly the analogy he had on this show. Uh, he listed out trade exceptions, you know, what swaps could be available, what picks are available, what's the salary cap issues. And this is all from 2K right here. So this guy's a prime example of why you should play 2K, why you should, you know, have your kids play video games. Fantastic knowledge. Thank you so much for being on the pod. I really appreciate it. Um, and this is fantastic. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Tell your tell your kids to go outside and play play you know and do two things instead of playing video games. Yeah, go play some into actual me. basketball too. Um, Robbie, before I uh, let you go, uh, where can people find you if they want to know more about or pick your brain more about what trades are available or um, you know if they just want to uh, connect with you? Uh, it's pretty much just Instagram. I don't uh, so just at the mill. Uh, I'm happy to chat about anything NBA related. So. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robbie. And thank everyone for listening. Follow us on Hardwood GC and Twitter. Um, we'll be back next week for another episode with uh, the full lineup, hopefully. And um, yeah, see you guys. I ain't never had no money. Coming out here trying to give me away. Ain't nobody helping. I was hungry. Fake friends, they just slipping away. Now I got it, so I